report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Battle for the gavel. Good afternoon, congressional Republicans voting today for a nominee to be the next House Speaker. The job opening's been vacant for quite some time. We need to get a Speaker, and a consensus candidate may or may not make it, but we have to get it done this week. Texas Congressman Pete Sessions, here's political analyst Matthew Green. The party is very deeply divided, and this whole process of trying to find a speaker over the last few weeks has, if anything, made the party more divided. And um, frankly, some of these divisions and differences have gotten very personal. Ryan Nobles has the latest from Capitol Hill. Many of these candidates have reached out to former President Donald Trump, hoping to get him to back their candidacies. The most experienced candidate Tom Emmer of Minnesota was hoping to tamp down concerns from Trump and his other associates that he's not sufficiently loyal to Trump, who of course holds a lot of sway in this conference. The House has not had a speaker since Kevin McCarthy got the heave-ho in early October. A glimmer of hope in the war with Hamas. Two elderly Israeli women have been released from captivity. Correspondent Richard Engel. The releases are bittersweet because there are still about 220 hostages to go including children and Americans. Hamas took the hostages after invading Israel on October 7th and slaughtering 1,400 civilians. We're in a war. And our goal is to bring everybody home as long as it takes. Israeli Defense Forces spokesman Daniel Legary says pilots are dropping leaflets in northern Gaza right now, urging Palestinians to get out of there. The world needs to understand it's not an issue of Palestinians and Israelis. It's an issue of a crime against humanity. Israel's been conducting limited incursions into Gaza to try and learn as much they can about the whereabouts of the hostages. They're even offering to pay Gazans if they assist. Former Hamas member Mossab Youssef. Hamas is a religious movement and they are raging a religious movement against Israel. He is the son of one of the founding members of Hamas and became a Christian while in prison in Israel. The mainstream media cannot say this because they are afraid to ignite a religious war. It already is. They want to annihilate the Jewish people because they are Jewish people. As the war enters its third week, a third convoy of humanitarian aid arrived yesterday in Gaza from Egypt, but many more trucks filled with food, water, and medicine are desperately needed. Avril Benoit with Doctors Without Borders. Every day and every hour, there's there's not enough of those trucks bringing in the supplies lives are on the line. Reporter Jay Gray says the lack of fuel has become a critical issue. Hospitals are at 150% of their capacities. They may have a day or so left of fuel. One of the officials with the Palestinian Authority saying, if we don't get fuel soon, these hospitals will turn into mass graves. President Biden says there will be no ceasefire until all the hostages are freed. 600 Americans are among the tens of thousands trapped in Gaza by the Israeli Hamas war. Seven are dead, 25 wounded after a 158 car super fog pileup in Louisiana. This woman was caught in the middle of it all and considers herself fortunate to have made it out unscathed. You can see five to ten yards in front of you because of this fog. And then out of nowhere, this big FedEx truck is in front of us. And he had to like swerve out the way, like the brakes were screeching. The pileup happened on Interstate 55 near New Orleans. The super fog was created 
created by a mix of thick fog and smoke from marsh fires. An off-duty pilot for Alaska Airlines facing 83 counts of attempted murder for allegedly trying to crash a plane mid-flight. Correspondent Tom Costello. Law enforcement says this Alaska Airlines pilot was riding in the cockpit jump seat of a Horizon Air flight, deadheading or catching a ride as it were, when he reached over, tried to shut down the engines, forcing the captain and the first officer to subdue him and make an emergency landing. The suspect, 44-year-old Joseph Emerson, is being held in an Oregon jail. He faces a judge later today. The man who once said he'd take a bullet for Donald Trump is testifying against him today in New York City. Former fixer Michael Cohen is the prosecution's star witness at Trump's civil fraud trial. The ex-president calls the case a political witch hunt orchestrated by New York's Attorney General Tish James. And there will be no World Series repeat this year. That's because the Texas Rangers beat the defending champion Houston Astros in Game 7 of the ALCS last night. Grounded a second. Two years The Rangers will host either the Phillies or the Diamondbacks in Game 1 of the World Series on Friday. The D-backs forcing a Game 7 of the NLCS with a victory last night over Philly. We'll have more in sports with Randy on the way. Also ahead today, vicious attack at Alfred State, semiconductor superhighway, and hospitals cash in on sex change operations. A very good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. I'm for quite the warm-up over the next several days. Forecast details are up in 10 minutes. All right, we'll see you then. Thank you, Kevin. Election Day is two weeks from today, and there's plenty on the ballot, even in an off-year election. Pennsylvania's largest city, Philadelphia, is electing a new mayor this year. In New York State, voters must decide the fate of two proposed constitutional amendments. One of them has to do with a school's ability to borrow money. Pennsylvania spent more than $20 million since 2015 on transgender surgeries for minors. That's nearly $14,000 a day in taxpayer money on sex reassignment operations on kids. The rise in funding sex change surgeries has become a big moneymaker for hospitals. At least three Pennsylvania children's hospitals are currently performing these so-called gender affirmation services. The Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse regions of upstate New York have just been designated high-tech hubs by the federal government. It's going to transform the I-90 corridor from Buffalo to Rochester to Syracuse into America's semiconductor highway. U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says Western New York is one of just 30 regions nationwide to receive the honor. A big reason for that designation is Micron's new mega computer chip plant. Micron CEO Sanjay Metrata. The semiconductors we build, memory chips, handle the information that makes modern computing and AI possible. The 1,400-acre site in Clay New York, which is about 15 miles north of Syracuse, will become the largest computer chip maker in America. Micron investing $100 billion over the next 20 years to build that plant, which will someday employ nearly 50,000 people. More than a dozen departments responded to a fire this morning at the Colony Motel 
Hotel in West Ellicott. That's near Jamestown, New York. Three people were hospitalized. Fifteen were displaced by the fire. They're receiving assistance today from the Red Cross and Salvation Army. More than 130 colleges and universities in New York have waived application fees through the end of the week, and it's already having a big impact. Students can apply at no charge to up to five SUNY schools, which will save them about $250. Overall, applications are up about 27% from last year. An Alfred State College student is fighting for his life after being beaten to within an inch of his life by four men from Elmira. Those four are currently behind bars. Derek Correa, a first-year student at Alfred, is in a medically induced coma. Alfred State President Stephen Moreau says students need to be vigilant after a crime like this. Derek's assault is a senseless tragedy. And while the suspects of this vicious crime were apprehended by police and remanded to jail, I am nonetheless imploring you to remain steadfast in your efforts to maximize your own safety and the safety of others. Correo did not know the four suspects, and they are not enrolled at the school. The accused are facing first-degree gang assault charges. Correo was attacked for no reason at all by the men as he was walking back to his dorm in the early morning of October 15th. New York Governor Kathy Hochul has signed Ava's law. It requires the state create support materials for those who've experienced the death of an unborn child or infant. Directs the state health department to provide this information on the mental and physical impact caused by, and we're quoting here, pregnancy or infant loss. Ava's law defines pregnancy or infant loss as stillbirths, miscarriages, or abortions performed for medical reasons. A new Comptroller's report shows cases of domestic violence in New York are up nearly 9% the past three years. Domestic violence really has no barriers. It knows no race, no class, and even no gender. Family court attorney Rochelle Cavanaugh says due to the advent of technology, domestic violence can take many forms. Now it can look like an air tag that's hidden under the seat of your car or hidden in your purse or air tags that are hidden in kids' belongings or a GPS tracker that's thrown on something. Um, that's stalking. According to the CDC, one in four women and one in ten men will experience sexual or physical violence by an intimate partner at some point during their life. Sadly, a lot of people return home. It takes victims between seven and 12 times before they leave for good. Sometimes we have people who come back to us four, five, six times. Tabitha Dunn runs a home for battered women in central New York. Victims of domestic violence often face stigma, shame, hesitation, and fear when seeking services. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Panera Bread is being sued after the death of a Pennsylvania college student. Family Life's Brian Query. 21-year-old Sarah Katz reportedly drank one of the chain's charged lemonades prior to passing away. Katz went into cardiac arrest hours after drinking the lemonade and reportedly died of a second heart attack on her way to the hospital. The cause of death was determined to be cardiac arrhythmia due to Katz's condition. According to the Panera Bread website, the charged beverages have nearly 400 milligrams of caffeine, three to four times that of other widely available energy drinks. The suit accuses Panera of being engaged in negligent, reckless, intentionally fraudulent, and or outrageous misconduct. What the suit is seeking specifically has not been disclosed. 
Brian Query, Family Life News. Seat belts are required on school buses in New York, but there is no requirement that students actually wear them. Niagara Falls Superintendent Mark Laurie would like to change that. It seems logical that that would be a next step. If it's logical for you to do it with a car, in my mind, it would be logical for you to do it with a bus. I'm not certain what the difference would be. Laurie says without school bus aids, however, it's pretty much impossible to enforce seatbelt use. The other part of it is finding the bodies, finding the people. It is very hard now, not just to find school bus drivers, but school bus associates. So what seems like a very easy fix has a lot of complex uh, wings to it that would have to take place, but it's all worth it in the name of kid safety. There is great debate in education these days about whether or not seatbelt mandates would actually improve student safety. According to the National Safety Council, school buses are 40 times safer than the average family vehicle. Let's pause next. Check out your Tuesday sports on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Texas Rangers are heading to the Fall Classic. They beat up the Houston Astros last night, 11-4. Adolis Garcia went deep twice. He drove in five. He sets a Major League Baseball record for the most RBIs in any postseason series with 15. Obviously, he was named the MVP. Nate Lowe and Corey Seager also hit home runs in the route for Houston. Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman both went yard in the loss. Who the Rangers face is still up in the air as the Arizona D-backs forced a game seven against the Philadelphia Phillies. Merrill Kelly picked up the win, giving up one run. He struck out eight over five. The D-backs took the Phillies fans out of this game early on with back-to-back home runs from Tommy Pham and Lords Gurriel Jr. in the second inning. Cattell Marte went two for five, had a triple and drove in a pair. 5-1 the final. Aaron Nola suffering his first loss in these playoffs, giving up four runs over four and a third innings. Game seven tonight in Philadelphia. Let's talk football. The Minnesota Vikings pulled off a shocker last night, upsetting the San Francisco 49ers 22-17. Rookie Jordan Addison caught seven passes, good for 123 yards and a pair of scores to lead the Vikes to the victory. On the ice, Jake Allen made 36 saves to lead the Canadiens over the Sabres 3-1. Jeff Skinner scored for Buffalo in the first. And despite dominating play and out-shooting Montreal 37-27 for the game, the Sabres couldn't get anything else past Allen. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Mann. And still to come on the Noon Report, it's the battle for the gavel on Capitol Hill. Warplanes drop, get out of Gaza leaflets, and a Christ-centered addiction recovery program in western New York. It's today's hometown hero, and it's coming up after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. As births in the U.S. sink farther below the replacement rate and the average age of first marriage hovers near an all-time high, a growing number of young people are seeing the appeal of a life centered more around family than around career success or status. In fact, Gallup Social Series survey recently found that the desire for larger families is at a 50-year high. 
45% of respondents said that three or more children is their ideal. That's a big change from just 20 years ago when only 33% of Americans wanted that many kids. This, however, only makes our nation's empty maternity wards and rock-bottom birth rates even more puzzling. What is growing in America are not families. What's growing is the chasm between the families that Americans say they want and the families they're actually forming. In a Wall Street Journal article back in May, Janet Adamy described how, quote, the gap between women's intended number of children and their actual family size has widened considerably. By the time women born in the late 1980s were in their early 30s, they had given birth on average to about one child less than they planned, end quote. And multiplied by tens of thousands, well, that's a lot of missing kids. This so-called birth dearth has become so serious and so undeniable that even mainstream media outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Wall Street Journal have finally acknowledged it, and even, at points, debated ways to reverse it. Now, Adamy thinks that economic and social factors are to blame. Women cannot afford to have as many kids as they want and can't find mature, financially stable men with whom to have them. And those are factors, but alone they cannot sufficiently explain the numerous ways that Americans actively opt for child-free lives. For instance, more and more households are choosing pets over children, and our spending on those pets increased by a whopping 30% between 2018 and 2021. More importantly, marriage is now rarer than ever, especially among lower-income Americans, and despite the fact that marriage is the most reliable means of building and keeping financial stability. And if, as several writers have recently asked, our lack of fertility can be chalked up simply to, it's the economy stupid, well then how did previous generations manage far higher birth rates in much more financially difficult times? Louise Perry offered a better explanation than any of these in an article recently published in The Spectator. In it, she blamed our progressive lifestyle. Quote, the key features of modernity, urbanism, affluence, secularism, the blurring of gender distinctions, and more time spent with strangers than with kin, all of these factors, she wrote, in combination, shred fertility. In other words, what we're witnessing is the domination of a life script in which children feel superfluous. We've been culturally conditioned at nearly every turn to put other things ahead of marriage and children, to believe that marriage and family will quote-unquote just happen whenever it's time. But these things rarely do just happen, especially in a culture like ours, which is why so many find themselves wishing that things had gone differently, but also painfully aware that this lost time can never be reclaimed. Megatrends, like the ones that we've gone through in our culture, cannot be changed overnight. Ultimately, however, it'll come down to individual choices, to plan life in a way that centers rather than marginalizes marriage and family. That means these things can't be an afterthought, seen as a kind of capstone that young people expect to simply fall into place when the time is right. Rather, they have to be thought of as foundational realities, and as such, things that are worth pursuing and around which other aspects of life should revolve. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. All right, John, thank you. Let's take it outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. Our call for this afternoon, much warmer than it's been of late. We'll have a mix of sunny clouds and high temperatures in the 60s and near 70. It'll be partly cloudy mild tonight. Low temps, mid-40s to mid-50s tomorrow. Some sun, but clouds will gather from the west. High temps up close to 70. And mostly cloudy Thursday, chance for shower, but warm with high temperatures in the lower 70s. 
All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report on Family Life, a Tuesday edition. Here's what's happening on the 24th of October. Israeli warplanes continue to pound Hamas targets in Gaza. Over 400 terror sites have been hit the past 24 hours. Trey Yanks with Fox News says the aerial bombardment is meant to weaken the enemy before the ground war gets started. I think it's important to provide the context of what this enemy looks like for Israel. When Israeli forces enter the Gaza Strip, they will be engaged immediately in bloody urban warfare. The IDF is dropping leaflets on northern Gaza, pleading with Palestinians to leave immediately. Hamas terrorists overnight released two more hostages. Two elderly Israeli women were let go. Correspondent Charlie Daggett. They touched down in Tel Aviv overnight, a short flight by helicopter from Egypt. Yosheved Lifshitz and Norid Cooper out of the hands of Hamas and into the arms of the Red Cross at the Egyptian border. The terror group still holding more than 200 other hostages inside Gaza. Reporter Holly Williams has more on the Palestinian perspective inside Gaza. Inside Al-Aqsa hospital in Gaza, they're patching up the injured and saving lives. Outside, in the hospital grounds, are the dead and the grief. Around 5,000 have been killed in the Gaza Strip in just over two weeks of war, according to Palestinian officials. Meantime, the so-called squad on Capitol Hill continues to clamor for a ceasefire as Israel fights for its survival. How many more killings is enough for you? Is it a thousand more? Two thousand more? Three thousand more? How many more Palestinians would make you happy if they die? This Israeli-American argues that kind of rhetoric is fueling anti-Semitism. Acts of anti-Semitism have risen 1,200% since October 7th. I think it's very disturbing for a lot of people that people are defending terrorists. There's fundamental American values that are just out the window right now. What about Rashida Tlaib, who just leaves her tweet up of fake news of 500 people killed in a hospital that didn't happen? You know that tweet has over 37 million views? And people believe it. Republicans are poised to pick a new nominee today as they struggle to elect a House Speaker. There are several candidates left who are vying for that job. Most are little known outside their home districts. Yet whoever emerges out of this field has to win nearly every Republican vote on the House floor. Correspondent Scott McFarland says that floor vote could happen as soon as today. GOP whip Tom Emmer of Minnesota is one of the frontrunners. An Alaska Airlines pilot will be in court today answering to attempted murder charges. Officials say this guy tried to bring down a plane in mid-flight. Police say 44-year-old Joseph Emerson, an off-duty Alaska pilot riding in the cockpit jump seat, allegedly attempted to turn off the plane's engines at about 31,000 feet. Emerson was handcuffed in the back of the plane as pilots made an emergency landing in Portland. Correspondent Chris Van Cleve says the accused is facing 83 attempted murder charges. A super fog event in Louisiana caused a multi-car pileup that left seven dead and 25 hurt. The crash took place on Interstate 55 near New Orleans involving at least 158 vehicles. A long stretch of Interstate 55 is expected to be closed for the foreseeable future, according to to police. The super fog was caused by smoke from marsh fires in the area, with visibility near zero in some places. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. A new study today links obesity with dementia. Reporter Sarah Lee Kessler's found out that people with more body fat tend to have less brain volume. An international study of 10,000 people shows your diet and lifestyle may affect how you think. The more belly fat, the less brain volume and higher risk for dementia later in life. Researchers at Providence St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica, California say overactive and inflamed fat cells send signals to the brain to downsize. They say it's important to keep belly fat to a minimum and to consider whether the foods you choose are nourishing your brain as well as your body. And the National Weather Service says parts of the northern Rockies will get buried under two feet of snow this week. The wintry blast will impact half a dozen states. Bitter cold will follow. We'll start to get in on that action by the middle part of next week. You're plugged into the Noon Report, a Tuesday edition on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Hometown Heroes on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster, and this week's guest is Christopher Knapp with Total Freedom Ministries in Darien Center, New York, helping people overcome addiction problems through Christ. Total Freedom was founded by addict-turned-pastor Guy Ionello. Pastor Guy started Total Freedom down in Florida, I believe it was 99, and he had a vision of a ministry down there to help people get set free from drugs and alcohol. Pastor John and Victoria had a street church out in Canada, in Niagara Falls, and the Lord was calling them into a healing ministry. The Lord gave them some visions of muck boots and a, and a red barn later that came to fruition here in Darien Center. So they started Total Freedom New York just a little over 10 years ago, actually. What used to be a motel was changed over through the years. It's just been amazing to see what God's been doing here. It's really a blessing. It's a residential alternative yes. addiction facility. So tell me a little bit more about that. It's a nine-month residential program inpatient. So you come and stay and learn how to live a new life. I'm kind of hesitant to even say the nine months though because it's a lifestyle change. These days it's very easy to get hooked in the, the routine of going in and out of programs and having that program life. This is far beyond that. This is a lifestyle. So this is where we teach how to live a new life in Christ and how to get set free and stay set free from the drugs, the alcohol, the destructive lifestyles. It's not really about just the alcohol and drugs. It's about having a new life. We call it a nine month as in a resemblance of the birthing process. Time where you go through the process here, you go through a curriculum to start. There's different levels of the program until we reach a point where we're living a life for Christ. You start out with a ministry school. Tell me about that. It's different depending on the person. There's a curriculum that entails, I think it's like 30 quizzes. There's a final. The morning part of the day from, I'd say, 9.30 to about noon, you're in so you're actually watching sermons on tablet, taking notes, and then at the end you are quizzed on those tablets to see, you know, what we're retaining. It's easy to get it in your head, but it's 18 inches from your head to your heart. It's not about passing or failing. It's about getting it in your heart. And that's what the curriculum teaches. The curriculum teaches how to really get it engraved and how to live that lifestyle in Christ. Then we go on to the deliverance and healing process, which is the cleansing. Society in general now 
uh, we have a tendency to treat the fruit of the problem. What the deliverance and healing does is it goes down to the root of the problem. Why did I use in the first place? Why did you, you know, live that destructive life in the first place? Getting down to the root. Now, it could be various things. It could be a childhood trauma. It could be something that happened as a kid, something you were taught, things that are past. We get down to the spiritual root of the problem and cast it out, right? And that's where that freedom, that's where the clear-headedness comes in. That's where I can say that after I went through deliverance, my entire mentality changed. It wasn't always like a rush, rush. There wasn't a rebellion there. It was a time where I could think clearly, where I could really get into God's word and it would speak to me. And it does speak to me. And that's the blessing. That's the blessing of going through that healing and deliverance process. Now, after that process, we have different vocational opportunities. We have a print shop right here on the property where we print t-shirts, hats, hoodies, you name it. We also have Freedom Automotive, which is an automotive shop where actually a couple of people in the in the process are, are going for their ASC certifications. It creates an opportunity to live that new lifestyle. We also have the Table to Go, which is a Latin American cuisine to go. There's also Green Bird Candle Company where we pour and make candles right here on the property. I can speak for myself. When I was in the midst of my addictions, when I was in the midst of my troubles and destructive lifestyles, it, it was easy for me to put down the drugs and the alcohol for a time. What was hard for me was having a new life. And that's where God really opened up the door here, total freedom to enable that new life, to have that new lifestyle. It's such a blessing to watch because we don't talk about drugs. We don't talk about alcohol. We don't talk about gambling. We don't talk about, you know, pornography, whatever, whatever the, the destructive lifestyle entails. We don't talk about that because we don't have to, you know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's our focus. That's what God's really ordained total freedom for is having that new life. Our biggest goal is to just let people know we're here and that there is an answer. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you're looking for a new way of life, you know, total freedom's an avenue. We're out in Darien Center. We don't take insurance. It's not about the money. If somebody wants a new life and they're willing to have a new life, there's an application process all found on our website, totalfreedomny.org. And also our phone number for the office is 585-902-6001. That's to get the process started. That's Christopher Knapp with Total Freedom Ministries in Darien Center, New York, helping people overcome addiction problems through Christ. Please join us again next time as we search for your home, your town, your hero. It's Hometown Heroes on Family Life. Thank you very much, Mark. Hometown Heroes comes your way Tuesdays during the Noon Report or online anytime. FamilyLife.org. Just look for the News tab on the podcast page. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A chilly air mass that has been in place the last several days is getting the boot now. And the result will be a nice warm-up, and with the warm-up, at least some sunshine over the next couple of days as well. Our call for this afternoon, much warmer than it's been of late. We'll have a mix of sun and clouds and high temperatures in the 60s and near 70. It'll be partly cloudy, mild tonight. Low temps, mid-40s to mid-50s. Tomorrow, some sun, but clouds will gather from the west. High temps up close to 70. And mostly cloudy Thursday, chance for shower, but warm with high temperatures in the lower 70s. Hi, Kevin. Finally at noon today, an unexpected player showed up on the soccer field during a high school girls game last night in Lackawanna County, Pennsylvania. A deer ran onto the turf. 
turf during the second half in that scrimmage between Abington Heights and Central Columbia. Better on the field than on my car, I guess. That game was being played just outside of Clark Summit. Central Columbia won 7-3. And in case you're wondering, no, that year did not account for any of the scoring and left the field before it could be issued a red card. And that's our world for Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.